0: You are Locked On Timberwolves, your daily podcast on the Minnesota Timberwolves, part of the Locked On Podcast Network.
1: Welcome, 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 ladies and gentlemen, to another Locked On Wolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. As always, Colt Molesky here, bringing you daily NBA and Timberwolves content. Make sure to check out the Locked On Wolves fan rig website. We're continuing the series with Illegal Carter previewing the Golden State Warriors Cleveland Cavaliers finals matchup, part four of that finals matchup. Four years running, these two teams have met crazy stuff. Aliko Carter, host of the Lockdown Warriors podcast, here with me today. We're actually recording this before game one, so we're going to be talking just straight finals talk, previewing the rest of the series. Not going to be recapping game one. I'm on the road for a wedding the rest of the weekend, so we're doing both podcasts today, and we're diving into more finals, Conversation with Aliko. He was kind enough to hang out with me. Kind enough to stick around. It's not an easy task, I know, but uh, we're—he's go- going to make it work, and he's going to carry this podcast for another 18 minutes.
0: Yeah, man, I got my oat milk chai latte with one <laughs> shot of espresso. I'm ready to go.
1: I love it. I love it. He's ready and raring to go talk about basketball. Wanted to talk, hit on some things that we weren't able to touch on in part one. Obviously, previewing that first game, we don't know how it goes down. But I do know this. Both teams have had some troubles on the road in the Western Conference Finals, you saw it from uh, from the the Warriors. You saw it against the Pacers and the Celtics for the Cavaliers, some trouble playing on the road, some trouble really getting into another gear on the road. Do you suspect that to have a big role in this series, or do you think that the Warriors are good enough and the there's not enough around LeBron where that can kind of be an equalizing factor on the road in Cleveland for the Warriors?
0: Yeah, I think that uh, it's more important for the Cavaliers than it is for the Warriors, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Uh, The Cavaliers supporting cast just sometimes, and it's been clear over the course of this playoff, shrinks on the road. Um, I think that there is definitely an element of the Warriors have been in um, the queue. They they. It, it's it's no ordinary road situation. The Warriors have won in the queue. Uh, they have sprayed champagne in the queue, and um, I, I think they know how to go in and play there. Um, but uh, the the Cavaliers, who you know, who have um, played in Oracle, uh, you know, a lot. As you said, there's a ton of roster turnover. Some of these guys have not. Uh, been to the finals before but for the most part the main guys in the rotation in both teams were at least in the finals against each other last year and I just think that what you've seen from the role players of the Cavs is a little bit of shrinkage on you know on the biggest stages on the road uh, you definitely um, there's going to be some really really tight rotations obviously I mean the the, the Warriors. Sometimes run nine deep in the playoffs, but for the, for the most part they're running eight deep. Um, so you've got Kavon Looney, who has been playing out of his mind um, and playing equally well on the road as at home. You've got Sean Livingston, who does have uh, some ebbs and flows. He definitely is better at home than he is on the road. But even when he's not scoring the ball, he does so much defensively that you kind of let it um, you, you let it slide that he's not necessarily scoring the ball when you have guys like Steph and. KD Clay making shots, Um, and then I think one guy you're really going to have to look out for, and I think this is a good series for is Nick Young because um, he won the Cavaliers don't have a ton of great perimeter defenders, so that you you can spring him open if he's on the floor with Clay. I love when they play when Steve Kerr plays Nick Young with Clay Thompson. I think it's very very. It's, it's threatening. You know, you got these two, six, seven guys, knock down three point shooters who can make things happen, uh, can do moves off the dribble. And, and, and uh, you got to guard one, you leave the other open. I think this is a good series for Nick Young um, at home, but I don't expect him to do much on the road.
1: Well, and let's talk about the rosters for a little bit here because the Warriors, we talked about this headed into the playoffs. The Warriors were a team where a lot of people kind of maligned their bench going uh, throughout the regular season and going into the playoffs and throughout the playoffs. This bench averaged about the same or more points uh, over the regular season than most of the the Warriors benches have for the last three years and you talked about how you liked a lot of the players on the on the bench that gave the team depth. Uh, what is your analysis of how they've performed from the regular season versus the playoffs and does that is that a, a real serious advantage for the Warriors or is it more closely matched to the Cavaliers bench than I think a lot of people suspect.
0: Yeah, I think what I've seen is an increase in the intangibles. The loose balls recovered. The mm. box outs. The, the, the very, very good screen setting. They were, you know, maybe coasting 85% in the regular season for a lot of the time, but the 100% effort is here right now. And I think that's the biggest difference between the bench in the regular season and in the playoffs. And to to address your point about people maligning the bench, I never quite understood that. I mean, Mm -hmm. you've got Andre Iguodala, former Finals MVP, former All-Star. You've got David West, best uh, shooting percentage on the team, former All-Star. You've got Sean Livingston, the bionic man. You've got um, Quinn Cook, who gave incredible minutes as a starter when Stephen Curry was injured, you've got Kevon Looney who's blossomed into something that I'm not, you know, that the Warriors are going to find invaluable. And you've got Jordan Bell who also potentially could be invaluable in the future as a rookie playing minutes in the Western Conference finals and potentially in the finals. I think all of those guys bring something different to the table and Nick Young. Don't, I can't forget about Nick Young, all of them bring something different to the table, and all of them like serve to round out what the Warriors' uh, core is all about, which is scoring the ball, playing fantastic defense, moving the ball up and down, side to side, and getting out in transition. I think that the Cavaliers um, definitely don't have as strong a bench as the Warriors, but they have guys who are very good at specific things. J.R. Smith, Kyle Korver. They'll knock down threes. Tristan Thompson, offensive rebounding. And uh, sometimes you can count on them for really good defense. Um, You've got George Hill, dribble penetration and, and, and shooting. And he's also a very good defender. He, you know Curry might have a few fits, but the switching schemes are going to ensure that everybody guards everybody. So it's not really a matter of who your first matchup is as much as it is a matter of how good each team rotates. And the Warriors' rotations are just better than the Cavs' rotation, and that falls on the um, uh, on the role players a lot of the time. I think that the Warriors are going to out execute the Cavaliers, uh, but the Cavaliers have LeBron, so you know I'll give them two games. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you gotta give them the LeBron bump uh, right there. My problem is, and I have always kind of been aligned with you as far as the Warriors' depth. Uh, and, and what they have coming off the bench and, and how it's stronger than I think a lot of people give it credit for. My problem is with the the Cavaliers is that you have guys, uh, George Hill, he's only had one 20 point game in the playoffs and he's only had uh, a 15 point game, I believe he's only had 15 or more points twice in the playoffs so his offensive production, definitely not, not there as much as you'd want from a starting point guard on a finals team, and then if you go big, Larry Nance hasn't gotten a ton of time in the playoffs, hasn't been super great in the playoffs Kevin Love obviously played a lot of center throughout the regular season, don't know what his health status is quite yet, Tristan Thompson you saw him go away in the Pacers series you saw him go away for chunks of the Celtics series, and then if you try and go smaller and throw a bunch of three-point shooters around LeBron as a a small ball five and and him playing the small ball five point guard kind of role with a bunch of three-point shooters that could work and that's kind of the style that Cleveland has gone for a a bunch in the regular season but his three-point shooters are really inconsistent. Jordan Clarkson hasn't really panned out the way you want to. George Hill not really a three-point shooter. Kyle Korver has had some great moments but he hasn't been uber consistent and J.R. Smith has been Lackluster in a lot of these playoff series. If you're mm-hmm. surrounding LeBron with a bunch of these guys, where they're coming off the bench, uh, or or if they're starters, Jeff Green and Kyle Kyle Korver might be your best options, both as a star and coming off the bench. If you're if you're trying to look for just some consistency, and even it, Jeff Green being a consistent player and a contributor on any team, let alone a Finals team, is weird coming out of my mouth.
0: Yeah. No. Definitely. I mean, Jeff Green, my goodness. He's been playing very well, though, lately, the past few games. And it's, it's nice to see because the Cavs need that from somebody. And they need that from uh, a player as versatile as Jeff Green, somebody who can knock down the three, who can back down players in the post, who can grab rebounds, do a little bit of everything. It is nice to see that he's uh, playing so well and, and found his way to the finals after, you know, going through heart surgery, all that stuff. It's uh, really exciting for him. One guy who I really am surprised has not seen any PT, and I don't know what he is looking like in practices and stuff like that, but he seems like you insert him into this lineup and he does, you know, good things on offense, good things on defense. At least that's like the idea is Rodney Hood. And I don't really get why he's fallen out of the rotation, considering he was one of the big parts of that trade back in January or February, where, uh, you know, they sent away Isaiah Thomas along Mm -hmm. with uh, a bunch of other people. Rodney Hood was one of those players who was supposed to come in and provide scoring, potentially off the bench, potentially in the starting lineup. He's so long, you can count on him, not necessarily to move his feet extremely well, but to keep his hands, um, you know, bothering other players, bothering Warriors. And, uh, you know, I'm not sure... You know what Ty Lu is seeing, but it seems like Rodney Hood would be a good guy to insert. He can guard multiple positions. He can score the ball. He's had his difficulties, but when you're playing him really, really spot minutes or no minutes at all, he's not going to be able to get into a groove. So you know i I don't, I don't understand it, but I've been trumping um, I've been trumpeting uh, Rodney Hood for a while
1: well, and when you have a guy who doesn't have really any injuries going on right now and Uh, And he kind of at the end of the season was complaining about playing time. I think the assumption there is locker room trouble over maybe uh, health or concerns about his shot or something like that uh, in him not seeing rotation time. The other thing is, is I think that they're just desperately trying to find like a five-man a five group that can really hold down a fourth quarter and tight up the rotation to find those guys, and I still think they're not really finding five guys that they're really truly confident in to finish out a game throughout these last couple series, whether you're playing Toronto or the Celtics. Uh, I don't think they've really found their five yet, and I think the Warriors have theirs, and that right there is a huge disadvantage as well. It, it, I think that the best teams know their soldiers uh, at the end of the fourth quarter, who those guys are going to be and when you don't know that it's it's really harmful to to your lineups to your roster rotation and to kind of how you attack the the end of a game
0: that's an excellent point Colton that's a really excellent point point. and there have to be you know some sort of locker room issues you know to keep a guy that talented on the bench for this period of time on a team that's not stacked you know this <laughs> team is not stacked so, yeah uh, very good point there
1: we're gonna take a quick break, and then I wanted to just talk about some of the Golden State Warriors, uh, some of the maybe the the ghosts or the, the skeletons they have in their closet. Maybe they don't have in their closet. Maybe debunking some of this stuff. We're gonna to get to all that first. A break for some sponsors. The narrative this playoffs around the Warriors. There's, well, there's been more than one, but I think the primary one is. That they don't need to, they don't get up for every game. First of all, uh, there's a couple things I wanted to address with this. First of all, as someone who covers the Warriors, you said, uh, like you mentioned uh, yesterday, you're you're from Oakland, you you're invested in the the teams in this the Bay Area. What is it like watching a team that definitely isn't? really locked in for every single game and it's still the playoffs and they're still there's still that's still being said in the playoffs
0: i'll tell you what it's extremely extremely frustrating <laughs> uh, i mean you go back to games uh four and five which the warriors lost they could only muster in the western conference finals they could only muster 92 and 94 points respectively on uh in that first game 39% shooting and 33% from three. I mean, like, they just, they just didn't show up. They just mm-hmm. didn't show up. And um, occasionally, like, that will happen. Um, and so they beat themselves. And it's almost a little arrogant to, like, say that. Like, oh, the Warriors beat themselves. The other teams <laughs> don't beat them. But, like, part of that is true.
1: Um, yeah. They
0: shoot themselves in the foot with turnovers, first and foremost. Um, one thing that they've been doing extremely well that they didn't do extremely well in the regular season is rebound the ball, control the rebounds. For the most part, they're out-rebounding teams. It starts with Draymond Green. I love the way he's attacking the board. It's fantastic. But uh, the turnovers have shot them in the foot. They, um, they're actually doing extremely well turnover-wise in the games that they're winning. And uh, for the most part, if they turn the ball over 16, 15 times, they're losing those games. But they did turn over the ball 16 or 17 times in Game 7 and still managed to eke out that win. Uh, but turnovers have, become a, have been a real problem, and in the first half, turnovers have been a real problem. Some of them, inexplicable. I can't really understand how the ball finds its way into the second row of the, of the arena uh, or into just the hands of a defender just so easily. These guys aren't working for steals. They're not necessarily playing the passing lanes. The Warriors are passing the ball to guys in different colors' shirts. <laughs> and uh, that's just absolutely um, infuriating. But at the same time, then there's those third quarters. They stop turning the ball over. Stephen Curry magic, Kevin Durant dominance, Draymond Green defense all over the place, and a little bit of Klay Thompson, and you've got a W. So they can really come back and just do things uh, so quickly that – Uh, I think that they get a little bit complacent because they know they can do that. Clay Thompson at media day was talking about this. You say, yeah, I know we can um, get rid of an 11-point lead in like two minutes. And I'm just like, okay, that's one, uh, true. But two, arrogant as hell. (laughs) And three, um, is a little, you know, it's just like, no, you want to play the whole game, man. Come on. Play the whole game. Like, talk about that. Yeah, so dangerous. you know, it's it's definitely a little yeah, it's a little it's a little frustrating.
1: Well, and I think the Rockets series was a little bit different of a monster, but against the Spurs and the Pelicans, there were those two the, the losses they had in those series uh, it, were a little bit, and they cleaned up those series quickly, right? But they did have a loss to the San Antonio, they had the loss to the Pelicans, and. They were, they were by fairly large margins for the teams that they were playing and how soundly they were beating them in all the other games. And a little bit of it seemed like, eh, we're on the road. We got Kevin Durant. We got Steph Curry. We got Klay <laughs> Thompson. We got Draymond Green. We got, we got Steve Kerr as our, our, our head coach. Like, what the hell? It, it, this game doesn't matter. It, this game doesn't matter if we lose this one. We're down by a lot. This game doesn't matter in the second half. It's it's whatever. Some of that was, it felt like that in the Pelicans and the San Antonio series. Now in the Rockets series, it very much felt like we know we're getting to the finals and we know we can beat this team, but we're down by a lot in going into the half or we're down by a lot in this third quarter and we're in Houston. Let's save it for when we get back home. Yeah, is that, is that true, or was it a little bit of arrogance in the Rockets series? In the Rockets series, it felt a lot more calculated than against the Pelicans. Is that Did you get the same feeling from that, or is it just all a little bit of gra- brash confidence from this team?
0: Oh, there's a little bit of, of brashness, definitely. But you look at the Rockets, the Warriors respect the Rockets. They absolutely respect the Rockets. Uh, they know that it's really hard to win 65 games, as they've done it before. And uh, they know that the Rockets were coming for them. Mm-hmm. You know, the Rockets have been coming for the Warriors for a long time. And um, unlike the Pelicans, who had, you know, some some very good play this season and obviously some MVP-level play from Anthony Davis, Drew Holiday was one of the best guards in the playoffs, even though he only did play five games. Uh, no, I mean nine games, excuse me. Um, and uh, Rajon Rondo, playoff Rondo, is real. But this... Houston Rockets team is better was better the entire season they beat the Warriors on opening night they wallop the Warriors later in the season and uh the, the the Warriors respect this Rockets team so they got up for nearly every game and I and that's what that's it's really funny you get up for nearly every game when you respect <laughs> the other team they did they did throw up a dud or two um and I think when you see them in the finals they're going to get up for every game uh it's Definitely, you know, I I think they sleepwalk uh, sometimes, and I don't mean that in the sense that they're not paying attention, but in the sense that they feel their shots are going to go down. Um, And so they just kind of go through the motions rather than kind of um, really lock in because they're so talented and they're so used to seeing each other knock down shots that they just kind of go through the motions, and that's where those turnovers come from. That's where the low three-point shooting in the first half comes from. That's where the lack of defensive intensity and transition comes from. They just feel like they can just uh, – th- that the norm mm-hmm. of them being dominant is just going to come naturally, and it's not. Um, and so uh, that, that's when, you know, they get into the locker room, Steve, Steve Kerr goes and says, that was pathetic. I love, I love when he calls the Warriors <laughs> quite pathetic. Like, it's just like it's the best thing ever because they love Steve, and Steve loves them, uh, and so he can be honest with them. Yeah. Um, but uh, then they lock in come out in the third quarter, and they're no longer complacent. They're no longer uh, sleepwalking, and then you see what the Warriors can really do when they lock in.
1: Well, and that's the thing, too, is that, and this is why I think that this series is going to go five games only, and that the I think the Cavaliers get game three going back to Cleveland, but then it's a couple more Warriors wins from there, and it's a five-game series, is because against Boston, a team without a, a closer, without a true offensive closer because of the Kyrie injury, and, and without without a bunch of guys, or they had a bunch of guys who probably shouldn't have been shooting that well from three-point range, that were shooting that well from three-point range for six games, and they weren't able to defend uh, defend them well. And even in that game seven, there was a lot of wide-open shots the Celtics missed to go for 17% from three-point range in game seven. So they should have been in that game, maybe even should have won it because of how many open threes they took. Perimeter defense, not great for the Cavaliers. A sleepwalking Warriors might actually still be Able to uh, to outdo the Cavaliers in at least one of these games, Uh, and and I just don't have enough confidence in the stuff around LeBron. That said, as somebody who's been sports gambling since LeBron has been getting to finals, it's it's proven me uh, a fool to bet against LeBron uh, more than a few times, and so I'm very tentative, especially when everybody is jumping on the Warriors and they're such heavy favorites. To underestimate. LeBron and all of what he does in the finals and in the playoffs and all of his finals greatness but it really is hard for me to see this series going more than five games what what do you think about just the length of the finals and where this goes
0: yeah you know and we're assuming I guess that the Warriors win game one tonight uh because this pod is coming out on Friday I'm assuming that the Warriors win game one tonight I do want to say it's Funny, you got to spend a thousand dollars to make a hundred bucks on the Warriors in this finals. It's like that, like that, that those odds uh, are just kind of ridiculous to Mm -hmm. me. Um, The all of the ESPN like likely uh, scenarios, the first four are like Warriors in five, Warriors in six, Warriors in seven, and Warriors in four, and (laughs) and uh, you know then the next one is Cavs in six, Um, and. You know, I, I think that LeBron is good enough to win two games. Um, I think that he's good enough to win a game in um, Oracle without his supporting cast. But obviously, the Warriors are going to be able to uh, take advantage of, uh, you know, their more deeper team mm-hmm. um, and, and uh, are, are, off, are also very good on the road in Cleveland and beat Cleveland on the road earlier this season, though that was a different team, a different Cleveland team than than what we're seeing now. But I will say the four starters, aside from George Hill, have been there. Um, But uh, what I really think is going to happen is uh, that the Warriors win the first two, the Cavs uh, won in uh, Cleveland, and the Warriors win the other one. The Cavs win in Oracle in Game 5. And then the Warriors bring it home in Game Six. I'd love to see a five-game series, uh, but I just—it'd <laughs> be a lot Ronnie, less stressful so. for you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it would. It would. I, I got to tell you, seven games, seven games last uh, last series. Like, I was nervous. I was. I, I was talking to my friends, um, and I was like, "Guys, I'm nervous." And they're like, "Yeah, me too." The Warriors haven't been playing that well. <laughs> 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 it's exactly the conversation that you and I were just having about sleepwalking and all this other kind of stuff. It's just like, are the Rockets going to beat us? Uh, They might beat us. Uh, So I was stealing myself and preparing myself for a loss. And uh, then they went down, and and you're just like, ah, this is a pretty bad half. We'll see what happens in the third quarter. And then, of course, the third quarter happens. They go up 64-63, and that's that's all she wrote. They didn't give up the lead after that. Um, But that's what's so special about this team. They're so powerful, but also so frustrating.
1: And it should make for some interesting moments in the finals. I I would I would predict again, that starts uh that starts Thursday and uh, we'll be watching. Hopefully it goes a while just because I like watching as much basketball as humanly possible, and so a six- or seven-game series means more basketball. I'm totally fine with that. Uh, so we'll see We'll see who, whose prediction is closer uh, in a, a couple of weeks here. Before we head out, Aliko, any episodes of the Lockdown Warriors or anything else that you want to plug, do so now.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Today on Locked On Warriors, in addition to previewing the game, I'm going to talk about something that Kevin Durant has been doing. He invested heavily into a a program called LimeBike, which is like a ride-sharing program for bikes. A lot of cities have these now. Um, And he's invested heavily into LimeBike, which has actually benefited an organization that I used to work for called Center for Employment Opportunities. That helps employ formerly incarcerated people, people who are coming out of jail, who find it very difficult to get jobs. And they are doing work with line bikes. So Kevin Durant's investment is actually helping uh, former convicts get uh, get back on their feet. And I'm going to talk about that in uh, detail um, in my podcast, as well as previewing this game tonight.
1: I love it. Make sure to go check out that content. Make sure to check out the, the fan rag locked on warrior site as well. Uh, get all the content you need to get ready. Also, go give the Locked On Cavaliers podcast and fan Rig site some love. Uh, The Locked On Podcast Network is going to have you set for the NBA Finals. All the content you could ever want or need right here on the network. Thank you so much, Illegal, for coming on. You're always welcome on the show. Glad to have you on yet again. And thank you to the listeners for tuning in to another Locked On Wolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. You are Locked On Timberwolves, your daily Minnesota Timberwolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network.